Hi, this is Stephen Ambrose, Senior Pastor at Wapak Naz. I want to welcome you to the Wapak Naz podcast. We hope and pray that this message goes deep into your DNA, is encouraging, relevant to your life, a means for you to engage with God and experience His love, and moves you to impact your world. We at Wapak Naz believe firmly that you matter to God. We are glad that you are taking the risk to engage with Him today. Wapak Naz is love people, loving people to Jesus, and it takes people to partner with us to be on mission and bring this message to our community, the region, and the world. If you would like to financially partner with Wapak Naz to love people to Jesus, join us by going to our website at wapaknaz.org and becoming a financial partner. We thank you, we pray for you, we love you, and enjoy the message. Don't you feel special? <laughs> What's up, man? I love you, brother. Thank you for being here, man. If, if you want to, uh, I think the mic, yeah, you got it? All right. Is, is it working? Got to turn it on. There, wow. <laughs> man, this is, this is my friend Eric Smith. I, I, I got to meet you in 2019, didn't I? Uh, so, Eric, uh, I'm just going to do some, some brief interview real quick, uh, and then, then I'll let you just roll with it, brother. Uh, where, where, where are you from? Born and raised in Germany. Born and raised in Germany. Uh, and uh, have you ever lived in the States? Yes, so I actually, my, my mom is from the beautiful state of Oklahoma. Excellent. So uh, I did live 13 years in Oklahoma City area uh, in between living in Germany. Okay, what, what, do, you do, what do you do for fun? What, what is kind of your decompressor in life? Oh, man, good friends, hanging out with good friends and, and causing trouble. No, just, just spending time. <laughs> I, love, I love exploring coffee shops. Uh, I love drinking a good coffee. Okay. Uh, I love. You're in good company, that's man. That's good. That, yeah. Coffee is, is life. Coffee Apart is from life. Jesus, of course. <laughs> Apart from Jesus, coffee is no life. No heresy here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I love, I love being active. Anything outdoors. Uh, I'm, I'm very involved in a local gym community, okay. which is great ministry, but also just good friends just to get your body moving. That for me has been uh, just a good decompressing yeah. in my life. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, how long have you been a pastor in Darmstadt? Uh, it's crazy to say it's going on nine years now. Nine? Nine years. Wow. Like, did you start as you were like 11 years old? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I shaved last night. So it makes, <laughs> makes me look a little younger. Uh, I'm not that. Yeah, I, I started when I was 25. Really? Uh, 24, 25, yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, so we're, we're going we're gonna to rapid fire. So first thing that comes to mind... Uh, Favorite cereal when you were a kid? Cinnamon Crunch Toast. Is that what it's called? Cinnamon Toast Crunch? That one. All right. <laughs> Favorite toy when you were a kid? Legos. Legos. Man, you're the second person. All right. I love Legos. <laughs> uh, preferred toothpaste flavor? Mint. Most. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> you said first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Is it really your? It just came to mind. I don't know. Okay. I figured it would co coffee flavor. That does that exist? Be, that should, I don't know. It if should. it does, I want one. <laughs> Whoever decides to go ahead and do that, I get royalties, all right? Coffee-flavored toothpaste would be amazing. Um, favorite food that, that from your childhood that your family would make? From my childhood? Yeah. Wow. First thing that comes to mind, bro. Well, a German meal that it. no one would know. It's called Lapskaus. <laughs> Please explain. It's like 
it sounds really weird. It's <laughs> it's like corned beef. You guys know corned yeah. beef in a can. You make you mash it with mashed potatoes. Okay. And then you put a um, a fried egg on it oh. and some red beets. Okay, you had me to the yeah, red ooh. beets, man. I brought I brought it to school one time in like eighth grade, <laughs> uh, because we were it was like an intercultural day. Yeah. Short story, <laughs> and uh, I brought a meal from Germany, so my mom made lapskaus. No one ate it. One friend ate it because he felt bad for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that'll tell you something. But it's amazing if you if you dare to try it, it will change your life. Uh, <laughs> change your life. So coffee is life. Lapskaus will change your life. And so will Jesus. Okay. Amen. Man. In that order. In that order. There's no heresy here. <laughs> uh, and, okay. Uh, are, are, you, are you American football or European football? Probably more American football. Oh, look at you. Love you, bro. Who's your team? Kansas City Chiefs. Okay. KC. We got some fans. Not there. because they won the Super Bowl a few times now. A You're good friend of mine actually plays for them. Really? Yeah, I went to high school with him. You're and not so on the bandwagon. I'm not on the bandwagon. Okay, okay. Ever since he joined the team, I, I joined the team. So then I jumped on the bandwagon. Nice. Well, but it was relational. Yeah. <laughs> right? And last question. Uh, most embarrassing moment. No, I, I'm kidding. No, no, no way. There are many. I wouldn't, I wouldn't ask that. Well, brother, we're, we're, we're excited that you're here, and I know that you have a great word, and there's a lot of work that's happening through Church in Action that you're a part of, and so you, you, have, you have the congregation. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to pray over our congregation. It's all you, bro. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friend and uh, our friend because uh, when you come to Wapaknaz, you're family. And uh, Lord, I ask that you speak deeply into our soul and our spirit uh, and you radically transform us from the inside out. And uh, Lord, will you empower my friend Eric here and uh, may we just resonate with the truth and the message that he brings. And Lord, give us insight on how to apply some of the lessons that he has learned uh, on ground level in Germany, in Darmstadt, through KIA, and how it can apply to us in our lives right here in Wapakoneta. I love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, to start out, I just want to say how grateful I am to get to be with you this morning. Uh, after a long flight yesterday and making it in, I think, around midnight last night, uh, I woke up very early this morning, excited to get to be with you. And I also just want to say shortly before I start, just want to honor uh, Pastor Stephen and Pastor Amy. Uh, Pastor Stephen, you've been a good friend to me, even though we get to spend short times every now and then together. Uh, he is one of the greatest encouragers, and his laugh just makes you feel like uh, you're just loved. So it's always good to, to be with you, and I'm so grateful for the a few moments that you allow me to have here with you guys this morning. Let me start out by asking a, a couple of questions. Do you actually believe, and I don't mean just believe kind of on the, on the, on the uh, mind level, but I mean deep in your core, do you believe that the church as in the followers of Jesus, are the chosen tool, the medium through which God actually wants to restore all of creation? Do you actually believe in your core that the church, that this is, this is what we're doing here, 
is something that God has chosen as his tool to change the world? Or, or do you believe that um, we just put together some nice services on Sundays, we come together, we have a nice Nazarenes, we like to eat, we have good meals every now and then, and, and, and we throw in some Sunday school. Is that it? Is that all there is to it? Or do you actually believe we are invited into the greatest adventure with Jesus that you could ever imagine. And that that is what it's about, that that is what we're invited to participate in. Just going to leave those questions kind of hanging in the room as I just want to share a few stories and share a little bit about uh, my uh, life and how I've been trying to uh, participate in what God is doing in Germany. A little bit about myself so you know uh, a little more than what my favorite toy was or my favorite food. Uh, let me share just quickly where I, I come from. Uh, I was born and raised in, in Germany, uh, have a very uh, kind of a mixed cultural background. My father, who I actually never met, uh, full-blood Spaniard from Spain. My mother, half American, half German. So I was actually born and raised in Germany. Uh, as I mentioned, my mom from Oklahoma, when I was 12, we decided to pack our bags, and she always dreamt of coming back to the States. So we moved to Oklahoma, to a small town, and I spent uh, 13 years of my life there. Uh, after high school, the big question was, where do I go to college? Uh, I had played golf in high school, and I knew that we didn't have much money, so my only way to college was through a scholarship. I wanted to go Division I, it didn't work out, and then I ended up hearing about this little school called Southern Nazarene University. I'd never heard about the Nazarenes, didn't know anything about the Nazarenes. My uh, little old German grandma in Germany called me and said, make sure you don't end up in a sect or in this little group. Who are they? I want to make sure my, my, my grandson is doing well. And I said, Grandma, I said, uh, these people have received me with open arms, and, I, and, I, and I, I can't wait to attend this university. The first couple years were challenging for me. I was actually quite shy and didn't have many friends. But there were actually people there that saw things in me and gifts in me and talents in me and saw a calling on my life and called it out that actually my time at SNU changed my life. It was there that, um, and I'll be at General Assembly next week. The last time I was at General Assembly was, uh, I think it was the year 2010 or 11. And it was there that I met one of the two pastors who actually started church in action in the Frankfurt area in Germany. And when I met him, I was so inspired by the way he lived out being a pastor and his vision for the church that I said, i got to see what you're doing. And three weeks later, I flew to Frankfurt to spend three days with him, which then led to us sending teams from Southern Nazarene, student teams, that I led for three years, and a relationship started to grow. I ended up uh, finishing college, studied finance. My big dream was to go to the FBI. I always loved James Bond. And so I, I started in oil and gas because you need to work full, uh, two, full -time, uh, two years of, of, of full-time experience before you can even apply to the FBI. And I remember six months into working at this great job. I made fantastic money. I, I started realizing that this cubicle, this little uh, office I was sitting here, was like a prison for me. And, and the thing that kind of threw me into a crisis was my amazing team. I had a great team, great guys. But maybe you know this, every single day they came in and they were just complaining about having to come to work. 
And some of them had spent 20 to 30 years of their lives there. And it may seem kind of just mundane that they're complaining all the time, but it actually threw me into a crisis where I started thinking to myself, I started seeing myself 30 years later in this office making fantastic money and asking myself the question, what did I give my life for? And in that moment, I started uh, praying one simple prayer. I said, God, show me where you can use me best for your kingdom, and I'm willing to go. The funny part was I just told him, I said, please don't send me back to Germany because I didn't want to go back to Germany. In that time, I got a phone call from the university. It was around February 2015. And the university called me and they said, hey, Eric, we're sending another team to Frankfurt to Church in Action in May. The adult leaders had to step back. Could you imagine leading the team? We'll pay for the trip. And I said, you know what? I don't want to be in this office anyway, two weeks free in Germany. Why not? End up going on this trip. And I, I, I kid you not, I remember leaving the plane when we landed in Frankfurt. And it hit me like, like a rock that I knew that I knew the answer to my prayer was God telling me, Eric, the best place I can use you is here in Germany. I couldn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it, <laughs> to be honest. I came back from this trip. I didn't tell anyone about it. I spent six weeks of wrestling and, and asking God, is this really what you're saying? And six weeks later, I remember laying on my, on my carpet in my apartment at 1 a.m. and I sent one of the two pastors that I had met at General Assembly, I sent him an email. I said, hey, I am coming. That's all I said. The next day, I booked a one-way ticket to Germany. The next day, I quit my job. And the next day, I told my family, my, my mom, I'm moving back to Germany in that order. A few weeks later, August of 2015, I landed in Germany with a suitcase. And my golf set, I couldn't let go of that. <laughs> Sold everything else. I landed in Germany. I didn't have a job contract. I didn't really know what I was going to do with Church in Action. I didn't have an apartment. I had nothing. I just knew I had to go. And so I got there. I remember when uh, the pastor picked me up from uh, the, the airport, and they had literally just started, and I'll share a little bit about it here in a second, just started a few weeks earlier a new church plant in a city called Darmstadt, which is just 20 minutes south of Frankfurt. And he picked me up at the airport at 7 a.m. in the morning, straight to the staff meeting, and he looked at me and he said, Eric, I know we haven't quite figured out what we're going to do here yet together, but have you ever thought about being a pastor? And I said, I thought about a lot of things, but that wasn't one of them. <laughs> and he said, you know, Eric, I, I see some gifts in you. I see how you love and care for people. I see your ability to, to just get along with people and to speak life into people, and I think you would make a great pastor. And actually, we're looking for one for Darmstadt. Maybe we just kind of explored. Walk with me a few months and see what happens. And it was two hours later in the staff meeting that he introduced me as the city pastor for the new plant in Darmstadt. And I thought, oh, great. I'm already here. I'm in for anything. Let's do it. Little did I know, I came saying that I would stay for about two years, that I would explore what it would look like to serve with Church in Action. And now eight going on nine years, I've been the pastor in Darmstadt, Germany. Uh, and a little over a year and a half, two years now, have had the sole responsibility of our ministry. What does it look like in Germany right now? What are the challenges? Um, some of you may know, and actually um, we had a few, Michael, right? I'm bad with names, so when I remember a name. Michael and I, we had a, a bit of conversation here just the, uh, earlier this morning about kind of the context of Germany. It's no secret that we have some of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world in Europe. 
Yeah, some of the most architecturally beautiful uh, kinds of buildings that you could ever imagine. If you go to France or, to, or Italy, even in Germany, gorgeous buildings. You'll go there on a Sunday where there's space for two or 3,000 people, and you'll see about four or five people sitting in the front row having service together. Our cathedrals in Germany and Europe are empty. Uh, there was a study done recently um, in our region of around 7 million people that live around the Frankfurt area. They wanted to know how many people are actually engaged in the local community. Not just culturally saying they're Christian or somewhere on paper it shows up that they're Catholic or, or Protestant, but actually engaged in the local community. Out of 7 million, guess what the answer was? 0.3%. That's under 3,000 people. Even here in the U.S., the Barna Group study came out after the pandemic that uh, about 30 to 50 percent was the drop of church attendance in the U.S. We're seeing a trend, not just in Europe, but in the West, that even though maybe most people aren't necessarily saying no completely to God or to faith, they are leaving institution of church. And that is very, very, very true in Germany. We were talking about also, in, in Germany, we actually just have one Nazarene district of about 20 churches, 22 churches. Four of them don't have pastors. And the average size of those churches is 40 to 50 people. Average age, 60 and up. What's the future of the church in Germany, in Europe? The challenge is big. But God is at work. So how have we as Church in Action been trying to face that challenge? That's a little bit uh, what I want to share about today. And I hope, my prayers, that it encourages you where you are at right here in Wapakoneta. Uh, when Church in Action began uh, about 11, 12 years ago, it began out of a, a deep reflection uh, of the Lord's Prayer. It wasn't just about finding new creative ways to start a church or to do something hip and cool. There's a deep theological foundation and belief behind why we do what we do. And, and one of the things that kind of moved us and inspired us most was this line from the Lord's Prayer where Jesus taught us to pray like this, where it says, Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Matthew 6, 9 through 10. May your will be done on earth as in heaven. For us and for me over the years, this has become central to how I live my life as a follower of Jesus. I think it's fascinating that when you look at the word will in Greek, it's the word telma which can also be translated into uh, perhaps wish or dream, that God has a dream, God has a will, a purpose uh, for something to happen. And that is to see how what is reality in heaven, that God's reign would be present here on earth. He didn't tell us to pray how to get out of here. He didn't uh, tell us to pray that we should just get on with time and get to somewhere, something place down the road, yes, what happens in, in the future matters, but he seemed to have a very strong intention 
about the purpose of here and now and how we participate in changing how God's reign looks like here and now in our midst. And so we started asking the question, well, what does it look like for heaven to break into earth here and now? And our heart, our vision that we've been proclaiming is that we dream of seeing how heaven would break into our lives because it's personal. How it would break into our city. And I absolutely love that you guys have maps here on the wall of your your community. What does it look like for heaven to break in our city? And we read John 3.16, for God so loved the world. How does heaven break into our world? He wants to change and restore all of it. So in Germany, we've set kind of two emphasis to try to implement that. It's just one approach, but it's one way that we've been trying to uh, see heaven break into uh, Germany and to really reach people and see their lives restored. So two things of how we've been doing that. Number one is kingdom communities. Kingdom communities. Those are our worship gatherings and our small groups, which we call communities on mission. And the second thing is kingdom projects. Let me give you a little insight on kingdom communities. So for us at the very beginning, it was clear. Worship gatherings. How do we set up worship, worship gatherings? We said we have beautiful buildings, but nobody's coming. So why in the world would we put up a beautiful building and hope that people would come? So from the very beginning, we said, we're not going to have our own building. We're going to go where people are. And we started with worship gatherings in public places. We started going into places like coffee shops, going into places like movie theaters, like restaurants, like refugee camps, like elderly homes. We built relationships with the owners. And we started worship gatherings in public places. We started thinking about the fact, how often as churches do we wait for people to come to us? And that was never the way Jesus did things. From the get-go, the whole incarnation is that God didn't wait for us to get to him. And that's actually the big difference in the faith of, of, of believing in what, who Jesus is con, uh, in comparison to, to Islam or to Judaism. This God came to us. And so what does it look like for the church to go to where people are? We said if people in Germany aren't coming to us, we can't wait any longer. We've got to go to them. I want to share one story that is so, is the epitome for me of what this has meant. Uh, we, we celebrated, before COVID in Darmstadt, we celebrated uh, services in a rooftop uh, restaurant. It's a beautiful place, beautiful view on the city. The owner was actually a Christian Chinese businessman. He gave us this space for free. And I remember one particular Sunday a while back, I was, uh, it wasn't preaching that Sunday, but I was doing the introduction. And so I was introducing, I was welcoming everybody, and I saw, as I was doing that, a man walking in from the back entrance. You have to imagine, it's kind of like this room, the entrance is in the back. And I saw this man with a young woman walk in. A and I saw tears in his eyes as he walked in and I started asking myself this is kind of strange why is someone I've never walked anybody walk into a restaurant and start crying I don't know if the food is that good and so immediately after I finished I walked back towards one of my team members and 
I asked uh, her, I said, who was this guy that just walked in? And she said, hey, he just walked out on the rooftop area, terrace, and he wants to talk to the pastor. And so I went and talked to him, and his name is Marcello. And Marcello shared with me, uh, he was sitting there, it was actually his daughter, and he said, uh, just a few months ago, he had separated with his wife of 20 years, and these last three or four months have been the toughest months of his life. And he told me that he has felt like God has completely abandoned him. He didn't know what to do anymore. He didn't know where to go. He felt like God has shut his ears. He felt like God wasn't anywhere to be found. And so on this Sunday morning, he just Googled with his daughter, a rooftop terrace in the city. Where can we go? So this place showed up. And so he walks in at 5, 10 p.m., a few minutes late, and he walks in and he said, when I walked into this place, I heard God's voice and he said, Marcello, I have never left you. He said, I was looking for God and I found him in a rooftop restaurant, a place I had never expected. I had mentioned in the welcome about baptism. And he said, Eric, I have to share with you that for over 20 years, the church I've been uh, part of, I've been wanting to get baptized. And they have kept telling me that I'm not good enough. They've kept telling me that I've got to get my, my marriage in order, I've got to get this in order. And I told him, I was able to tell him, Marcello, let me tell you, baptism isn't the end of the story, it's the beginning of the story. And, and if you know that, that you need Jesus and his grace for your life, then you are ready to jump in the water, just like the guy in, in Acts, uh, the Ethiopian, who was jumped in the water as soon as he understood who Jesus was for him. And so actually a few weeks later, I got to baptize Marcello. And that day he brought a, a woman with him, and I thought, oh, he's in a new relationship. That kind of went fast. What's going on here? And he kind of pulled me to the side, and he said, Eric, uh, I, I, I want to introduce you to my wife. We've completely reconciled and are working on a marriage. And he said, actually, the same thing is true of her. She's been wanting to get baptized for years in the same church, same story. She would like to jump in the water today, and I said, it would be my greatest honor to baptize you today. In our community, we were at somebody's home in the garden, had a big party, summer, summer gathering, and they brought all, all these women from the house, brought their clothes, hey, if you need to change the clothes, here's. And on that day, I, I knew why we have to be in these places, because it's there that people are searching for hope. They're not coming into our buildings anymore, but they're going to the restaurant, they're going to the bar, they're going to the, uh, they're all over the place. We just gotta go to them. And Marcello is a story for me that just reminds me every day why we have to go. So the first part of kingdom communities is worship gatherings in public places. The second is that we have communities on missions, our small groups. Community on mission is, is, is a very exciting thing we've been working on for a couple years. And it's basically a small group of people, 8 to 10, 12 people. It can be 5, 6. But they don't just have Bible study every week. Rather, they study scripture and pray together every two weeks. And in the other two weeks, they actually have a specific project that they serve together on in the city. So week one, we're studying scripture and praying. Next week, we're serving in the city. Next week, we're studying scripture and praying. Next week, we're going into the city. And so we're uh, trying to foster some missional rhythm of inviting people to study deep in scripture and be formed by scripture, but also be formed by serving together in the city. Some of the examples have been, one of my favorites is Granny's Coffee. 
call it Granny's Coffee, if we ask where are the people in our city that are lonely, that are struggling, some of the loneliest places in our cities are elderly homes. And if we ask what is heaven like, then we know and believe that in heaven there is no loneliness. So what is something simple we can do as a church to bring heaven to earth, to share Jesus' love very, very tangibly? It's to go into an elderly home and to do something for elderly friends. So we do cake and coffee. We play bingo. I got to be the bingo announcer a couple weeks ago. I loved it. And we had almost 80 people in that room who loved the two or three hours of, of conversation, listening to them, learning from them how much we can learn from their wisdom. Many of them have gone through World War II. Amazing stories. Granny's Coffee. Another is Spielmobil. Playmobil, one of my favorite, another, uh, one of my, they're all my favorite, but one of my favorite uh, projects, uh, especially when the big wave of refugees came 2015, we partnered with World Vision and we took a huge van and we uh, remodeled modeled it with toys that help work through trauma, that help with the language skills. And we started going into refugee camps because we believe in God's kingdom. Kids don't have to worry about war or trauma. They should be able to play. They should be able to be filled with joy. And so what can we do? We can come in with toys. We can hang out. We have a coffee and tea station for the parents. And we just create space for a few hours every two weeks for kids to hang out. And through that, we get to build relationships. They get to ask, who are we? Why do we do this? And it creates amazing ministry opportunities. And a third example, and there's many, but these are just three of them, is, is, our, um, is our project Sisterhood. Sisterhood is a, is a, is a, a community on mission of women that meet every two weeks to study scripture together, and the other two weeks they actually go visit family, uh, refugee families in our city. We have, by now, we have several hundred connections to families in our city who are refugees. And most of them are Muslims. And so for them, to wait for them to come to our service is ludicrous. Because it's, imagine going into a, a mosque. Strange, weird, why would I go there? I don't know what it's like there. I don't know what they do there. So why do we expect them to come to us? But guess what? There are some of the Middle Eastern people, some of the most hospitable people in the world. And the food is amazing. So you meet them one time and the next invitation is come to our place. Well, they don't have any money, but they will spread the table. And what a beautiful opportunity to be present with them. And I kid you not, it's so often that they invite us to pray for them. And it opens doors for conversations about faith and about life. Think about it. Communities on Mission, and that's why I'm excited about it. It, it meets two, and, and Pastor Stephen even mentioned earlier, it meets two key requirements of what, how we're created. Number one, we're created for community. Everyone is desiring relationships, no matter what you believe. And everyone is created for purpose. Everybody is desiring to, to live a meaningful life. And so this approach of Camusa Mission meets both of those areas of desires in everyone's life. And so we have people, they may not even come to the Bible study right away, but every two weeks they'll serve with us in the refugee camp. We've got atheists, we've got Muslims, we've got all kinds of people that are serving with us at the, at the elderly home, but they are far from coming to a service. But yet we're together building God's kingdom and the journey has begun. And it's just a matter of time. God's planting seeds, and our responsibility is just to serve with them and love them and care for them and be with them. 
So that's the first thing, is kingdom communities. And the second thing is kingdom projects. Kingdom projects. And you guys have stuff going on here, I've heard about as well. We just try to find creative ways to start projects in the city that meet needs within the community in sustainable ways. So one is, uh, and I love that I have a coffee shop right across the street for the next few days. We run two of our own coffee shops because we knew that in Europe and Germany, people hang out in coffee shops. So we said, why not own our own? And we have a huge opportunity for ministry to shape the community. And so we started opening our own coffee shops. And throughout the week, people hang out there. People study there. It's a regular coffee shop. But on Sundays, guess what? There's a service there. But it's almost like the service is happening in their space. You see the mind shift that happens there? It's not them coming to us. It's us coming to them and then saying, hey, Sunday, we're kind of talking about life and we're talking about this guy named Jesus and we just want to share a meal together. It's a huge difference for them to come to a place they already know that they have their own coffee that they drink all week. They know the baristas. And the chance for them to engage in that is way bigger than to invite them to come down the street to a building they've never been to. And the other, another project example is PX. PX, also a beautiful project uh, where we're in the red light district uh, working with prostitutes. Prostitution is a huge... Actually, in the U.S., it's very big as well. It's just not as present. Uh, I used to be on a board for an organization here in Oklahoma. But in Europe and Germany, prostitution is a huge issue. But behind that issue are people that God is deeply in love with. And actually, as we meet these women, most of these women are from Eastern Europe. A lot of them are religious in some way. And we just so believe that God is not forgotten. Jesus went to the prostitutes. And so we actually opened a drop-in center in Frankfurt downtown, right in the dead light, uh, uh, red light district, where women can come, they can get a meal, they can hang out. We actually have social workers that help them with paperwork. If they want to get out, we have connections to safe houses. And we have communities on mission teams of women that go regular, regularly into the brothels with gifts, Bible verses, and they just meet the girls, they spend a few minutes talking to them, praying for them. So often they want prayer. And we remind them that they're not forgotten and that there's a God who loves them. And often this love leads to them actually thinking about, how, how do I want to live my life? I want to finish the last emphasis of this talk with something that's been really big on my heart and, and has been kind of an emphasis of our ministry, specifically in Darmstadt, and that's been a work amongst refugees. I absolutely love, love, love that you guys have something going on called Tapestry. We actually just launched a project in a, in a community center called the Tapestry Center. Uh, you may know that in Europe and Germany, uh, we have huge, huge populations. Over one million refugees alone in 2015 came to Germany. We have many of them in our city in Darmstadt. It's a very, very open city to refugees. And since last year, you guys see what's going on in Ukraine, we've received thousands of refugees from Ukraine. Now, I know refugees, you can, we can all argue about the politics of it, but at the end of the day, one thing that I've learned 
And you may think of this, for decades, the church in the West has tried to get into the hardest places in the Middle East, in East Africa, to bring the good news to the people over there. But guess what? Those people aren't over there anymore. I open my door, and they're living next to me. What an opportunity, guys. What an open door. And they're in need. They're searching. They have realized that, that their government, who most of the time is, is consumed with religious ways of making power visible and, 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 and uh, the way they've lived there has not worked for them. So they're open to new ways of finding God. And what an opportunity for the church to show them who the church can be at its best and who Jesus is. And so over the last few years, we've just said, guys, we've got to be the hands and feet of Jesus to the most vulnerable in our city. What an opportunity to bring people to Jesus. And so we started with the Spielmobil. We started meeting families, most of them all Muslim families, so open. And we started then dreaming last year about a space that we could open for them to serve our refugee friends on a, on a larger scale. And so about a year ago, we started dreaming about opening a community center. And it was a big dream for us because we knew financially that would be a huge amount of pressure. But we believe God is moving us in that direction. Actually, six months ago, December, January of this year, we were able to open the Tapestry Center, which houses the Tapestry Project. And we were able to hire a full-time social worker who's been working in the largest camp in the city prior but was totally struggling with the fact that she believed that only Jesus can heal many of the traumas these people have, but she wasn't able to talk about it because it was a government-funded camp. But guess what now? She can bring the best of her ability as a social worker to the table, and she can pray for people. She can talk to people about Jesus. And I kid you not, right after we launched the center, we get the news that right down the street, about two minutes walking distance, a camp with 600 refugees is to open. So now just down the street we have a new camp with 600 people, many of them from Ukraine, many of them new from Afghanistan with all that's been happening. And they're searching for a place to belong and our tapestry center has become a place where we believe people can belong and people can find new perspective for their life. And it's opened unbelievable doors for God's kingdom to break in. Over the last seven years, since 2015, we've been able to baptize over 500 refugees, all from Muslim backgrounds. Out of that, many of them have, the, the government, you know, they, they come to a city and then they place them in other parts of the country. We still have a community of Farsi-speaking people from Afghanistan, Iran, of about 70 people. They meet on a regular basis, part of Church in Action. In Darmstadt, a year ago, we started an Arab-German service of 30 to 40 Arabs. Most of them have come to faith, all from Muslim backgrounds. And in the center now, we're focusing on really practically coming alongside people, which we believe will open doors spiritually. A couple of things we've been doing. One, we just had a Christmas party with about 30 Ukrainians. It was their first Christmas away from home. So what can we do? We can throw a Christmas party. And they came. 
We offer counseling, uh, paperwork, going to doctors, helping them find apartments, helping them find a place to study. We have young Arab guys that were lost that didn't know what to do. And guess what? Many of them end up on the street selling drugs. So what an opportunity to come alongside them, help them find a place. Now we've got guys studying, wanting to become doctors and pharmacists and be contributors to our community. We've offered German courses for uh, our, our Ukrainian friends. We've got now uh, 15 Ukrainian kids who come every week for German courses. We have different offers that are creative projects. Uh, one of them, we planted tomatoes a few weeks ago. Can you believe that planting tomatoes, something so simple, can be something so significant? Because in that moment, they started realizing we're not just, the kids were lighting up. And they started realizing and, 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 and talking about the fact that planting something has purpose. And so they used this story of Jesus talking about sowing seeds. And even the workers themselves started realizing that what they're doing right now, planting tomatoes, is not just planting tomatoes, but we're realizing that what we're doing is we're sowing into the future generation of this world. Ukrainian, Arab, Iranian refugees who are coming to faith and are the next generation of our community, of our church. And finally, we've been able to enter a partnership with the camp just down the road. Turns out, one of the leading social workers, this is how God works when we are actually open to seeing what he's doing. One of the leading social workers used to be an intern for our social worker. And she has such deep trust for our social worker. Mind you, the social worker here at the camp is married to a Muslim. She's a German. But we're getting texts the last few weeks. She's texting our social worker. She's saying, hey, I've got a guy from Morocco. He's walking around with the New Testament here, and he's got questions. I don't know where to send him. Can I send him to you? Several times this happened in the last two weeks. They said, why didn't we know earlier about your project? I know you guys are a church and I'm married to a Muslim, but what you guys are doing is making a difference. Last Sunday before I came, we had a community picnic. Sometimes we just go in a park. We call a picnic with a purpose because it invites people. You can invite friends. You can invite anyone to hang out. And on their off day, this social worker, along with another one, came and didn't just bring two people, three people. They brought 40 refugees from the camp. And suddenly we were 70 people hanging out in the park. What an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Let me come to a close and share, or let me say it this way. One of the things I, I, I'm, I'm still learning is that it doesn't take rocket science to participate in making heaven on earth a reality. It, it doesn't take the most, it, 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 you know, sometimes we think, what is God up to? What does he want from me? He wants, it's simple. You and I were part of the church that he wants to use through which he wants to bring his reality, make it a reality here in Wapakoneta. And you may think I'm too old. You may think I'm too young. You may think I'm not experienced enough. I'm not qualified enough. All that doesn't matter. What I'm learning is, is all it takes is the willingness and the openness to go and to be and to do and to say 
whatever opportunity may come up. And then what God does out of that is what he does. It's his responsibility. But it's ours to make ourselves available, to take the step. It took a lot for me to jump and move back to Germany. My parents thought I was crazy. They love me still. But it was the greatest adventure I could have ever embarked on. And I believe that even right here, and you guys are already doing incredible things, but let me tell you, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. There are people in this community who are just waiting for someone to come and be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. They may not know it. And you know what the mystery in all that is? Is it's not just about us bringing Jesus to them. As we bring him, we actually are receiving him too. As I serve my refugee friends, you know, I never thought I could meet, learn something, and it sounds arrogant, but I never thought I could learn something from a Muslim friend or a Muslim guy. I'm going to bring Jesus to him. But as I humble myself to be Jesus to him in all different ways, I'm actually learning that he, Jesus, is reflected back to, from him to me. And my heart expands and my mind expands of how big God is and how good he is. And he wants to do it in and through you here in Wapakoneta. He wants to continue to do it in Germany. Don't let the news fool you. We always think the world is getting worse. And it's tough out there. But Jesus said that the gates of hell won't prevail. The kingdom of God. Do we actually believe that the kingdom of God is bigger than all this stuff? Let's not get lost in all the details. Let's just love people. As you said, this is who you are. And watch what God does with it. He will change this community. He will change your life. And in the midst of that, you'll live the greatest adventure you can imagine. Let me pray for you guys, for each other, and then I'll invite Pastor Stephen to, to finish off. Jesus, thank you so much that what you said you actually meant. You spoke to your disciples, your followers, and you said, you guys, and you spoke with that to the church, so also to us. You will do greater things than I have done. What? I have given you authority on earth. As it's been given to you, you pass it on to us. Jesus, you are just getting started. We're just 2,000 years into this thing. It's nothing. And you've got so much more planned to do in and through us wherever you have us planted right now. Expand our mind, expand our heart for how good and how big and how vast you are. Use us, Jesus, and help us to take that step of faith out of our comfort zone to allow you to use us in ways we may have never imagined before. I pray a blessing on this community. I pray your anointing on this community. And I pray that this place would be a shining light that is not confined by these walls, but that would blast out into this community 
and make a lasting impact that only you see through the seeds that are sown. So Jesus, I lay all this into your hand. Thank you for continuing to strengthen us, giving us wisdom, and empowering us by your Holy Spirit that is in us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Brother, thank you. Man, you're a passionate man, aren't you? And so, uh, just like that, that pastor in, in Germany who said, hey, let, let's think about that for a couple weeks, and then and about two minutes later he announced that, congratulations, you're the pastor in Darmstadt. You, you're the pastor in the places that you work, in the places where you live, in the places where you go to market, the places where you have fun. So you, you are called just like he is. We both have something in common. Neither one of us wanted to be a pastor, right? But uh, you know what? It's not a matter of being called. You're already called to go and be sent. It's a matter of where. And where you are is where you're sent, very clearly. Um, My my friend, uh, I had mentioned in the last several weeks uh, up to this moment in announcing my friend Eric uh, that we would take a love offering. And so that you're aware of what that is, is that a love offering will go directly to Eric. Typically, for every dollar that, that you put in the joy box or that you give online, 10% of that goes to the district. We tie it to our district. 5.5% goes to World Evangelism Fund so that the gospel goes all the way around the world through the Church of the Nazarene. A love offering goes directly to Eric because we're going to love on him and allow him just to continue to do what he does, but also enjoy himself a little bit as well. He shared with me that for him, it's about $48,000 a year because he raises all of his funds. He, he's the only one that raises his funds. It's not like, like me. Your tithe goes in, and I get paid out of the general fund. He raises his funds. And currently, since COVID, he's been living off half of the 48,000 because his his partnerships have dropped as a result of COVID. So my prayer has been one that we're able to give a love offering. So if you if there is any loose change or cash in the joy box um, today or any checks that are made out to him, it'll go directly to him. He's going to be in our community for a couple more days and we're going to make sure that he gets that. But if you would like to partner with Eric, whether it's a one-time gift, whether it's a, a, a yearly gift, a monthly gift, or you want to give them some change every day, I don't know. They, yeah, I don't know. It's probably not worth it. Try to make a joke. It doesn't land. It's terrible. This is what they suffer through every Sunday. Uh, but if you would like to partner with him, you can go to church in action churchinaction.com it's all lowercase there's no separation churchinaction.com i will send some of that information out this week as we move through the week and uh, i've been praying that somebody partners with him for instance you heard the stories when my boots were on the ground in darmstadt i met another pastor amone and she was just about in transition to be a part of a church plant in Offenbach. And she was doing the same thing. When I returned home 
I said, babe, this girl has taken a risk, and she's going to plant a church through KIA, Church in Action. Uh, let's partner with her. And she's doing phenomenal work in Offenbach. It's phenomenal. So my hope was that something grabbed your heart today and that we can partner and be a part of the global church because we are a part of the global church. Matthew would call it global. You're local, but you have a global impact. So if you're willing to do that, I'd ask that you partner. If you want to talk with him, he's available. And if you want to talk to him this week, if you want to take him out to dinner, let me know. I can get in contact with him. Breakfast, coffee. He's going to be around whining. Feel free to drop in. And so last but not least, um, I'd like to invite Jess. Jess, come on up. And your, your son and your daughter-in-law, come on up. So last week we had the privilege of, of introducing to you um, uh, Peyton, who is uh, Brittany McDonald's little ones. But here are twins. You want to introduce, introduce your family real quick? This is my older son, Skylar, and his wife, Karen. And their babies, they're, what, nine weeks old now? Ten weeks today. They are Lincoln and Autumn. And the day they gave birth, I sat in church, and I got a message that it was a go. And I sat here till it was finished. And my best friend drove me to the hospital, which was 40 minutes away. And I was there as they wheeled them out of the room. So we got a brief glimpse of the babies, but then they have bonding time. So then we had to sit for the longest two hours in a waiting room waiting. <laughs> Before we could go see them. So everyone's like, I can't believe you sat in church. But I did. Uh, there's nothing I can do about it. They were going to be in the labor and delivery room. So, <laughs> Well, and, and just, just like Brittany and Peyton, um, Jess, Jess is a part of our Thursday morning life group. And if, if you're a part of that Thursday morning life group um, and you're here, would you mind at least kind of like, can you just stand up briefly? If you're a part of that Thursday morning life group, please. So thank you. Thank you for standing up because these are the people that have been praying for you two. And there's more that aren't here today. They're traveling. We've prayed for Peyton. We've prayed for uh, Brittany and Wade. And we've prayed for both of you. And we pray for your kids. This has been a long time coming, hasn't it? It's been a struggle for you guys. And you also took the risk to step into this church. You guys haven't been coming here for very long at all, have you? Probably a few, three weeks or so. And so we, we are so grateful to our God who has pulled you through this. And there's been a lot of stuff since, since you had your kids, right? Uh, Lincoln was a struggle for several weeks. And he's looking like he's doing really well. He's a chunk. All right. So we're going we're gonna to pray over this family. We're going to pray over Lincoln and Autumn. Would you, would you mind? I know it's a little weird, but we're not going to lay hands on the kid. But Scripture says you, you lay hands on people, right? There's nothing magical about it, but they know that you, you're supported. So would you mind extending your hand to the kids, okay? And we're going to pray over them. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift, the blessing of twins, Lincoln and Autumn. We praise you that you have carried Karen and Skylar through. This has been years in the making. Years of prayer. Not only from a mama, but also a life group that meets Thursday mornings and prays and seeks your heart. So we want to give you glory and honor for these two. 
And I thank you how you've brought Lincoln through. It was a struggle the first two or three weeks. And it's been a struggle as new parents. But we ask that you bring blessing on these two little ones. We ask that your, your hand be on their health and that you help them grow and be strong. And Lord, we ask that your hand be on this family, that Skylar and Karen love their kids. And Lord Jesus, may you be the center of their family. I'm standing right next to a proud mom and grandma. Lord, will you lead Jess in how she prays for her grandbabies and her kids and daughter-in-law. And Lord, for us as a church, man, this is exciting. This is a celebration. And Lord, will you prompt this church to pray for them and encourage them and speak life into this young couple, into these kids as they grow. God, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. It is a good day, and we thank you for that in your name, Jesus. Amen. Would you please stand, and I'd like to invite T-Rav. Come on up, Travis. This is, if, if you don't know Travis, this is Travis Link. He is the missing link in your life. Come on over, bro. Will you send us out, brother? All right, folks, love the Lord, the God, with all your heart, mind, and your soul. And will you please love your neighbor as you love yourself. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Wapak Nas podcast. We hope you are moved deeply to step into God and the hope and future he has for you, and that you are moved to be salt, light, and yeast in your community and to love people to Jesus.